0: We're in the book of Acts this morning, the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5. And uh, we're just going to continue to go through. Uh, It just so happens that our partners over at Faith Bridge, uh, they are in the book of Acts as well. And about the same place. And that was not planned. That's amazing, isn't it? So you'll be able to continue your study of the book of Acts even as we transition. And uh, we're making those plans. Acts chapter 4 verse 32 Through 5 verse 11. And today we're talking about a new community. We understand that Acts is uh, uh, a sequel to the book of Luke. So you need to read the book of Luke to understand the book of Acts because Luke is writing history. These are not prescriptive passages of Scripture. In other words, Acts is not a book that is written for us to copy or do. Or prescribed for us, it is a descriptive narrative. It is talking about what happened when the Holy Spirit came and, uh, it, and dwelt the hearts of His people. Not a tabernacle, not a temple, not a cloud by night and a fire by night and a cloud by day. Not that He now inhabits His people. And so he's giving what happened at this time when at the transition of the church of Jesus Christ. I came across an outline that I want to give to you quickly. I think it'll it'll help you. It's not mine, but I want to give it to you. First of all, the first and these kind of help you in the uh, outline these chapters or these verses. Uh, It describes their generosity. All right, verses thirty-two and thirty-three describe their generosity. <clears throat> we'll talk about these, but this is an outline. In verse 34 and 35, <clears throat> it, uh, their generosity is manifested. Now we're going <clears> to <throat> see how it is manifested. The word manifested means revealed. Something you can see, manifest, that makes you to see something. <clears throat> and that's what they're doing there. Verse 36 through 37, an example of someone's generosity. There's going to be a guy named Barnabas who comes and does something very generous in the church. And then, verses 1 through 11, a couple who only appeared to be generous. All right? This is a tough one, a tough one to preach. Now, the whole thing in this, and I'll try to do my best to keep this moving forward for you today, but I hope it'll be a blessing to you. As we talk about this text, why did Luke record this unusual text? This is a tough one to share with your friends. Okay, that's a very tough story. You hate to just go tell your neighbor. I am going to tell you a story out of the Bible. Uh, there's Ananias and Sapphira. You know, it's not kind of the story you want to tell your friends about, all right? But you need to understand what God's doing here and what's happening here. And I think you you can grow in your faith today and your understanding of the Word today. Just pay attention. And I think I have some things that will help you say, okay, I don't have to be intimidated by these hard stories. There's a purpose for it. And it also is there for my instruction, Okay. So the early Christians handled their money <clears throat> and their stuff in specific ways. <clears throat> and that's what this passage is doing. It's telling us when the Holy Spirit came upon His people and when people were amazed by the grace of God, things happened to them. <clears throat> their view towards money and their view towards stuff changed. The world around them Uh, You have to understand, they lived in the world around them. And up until this time, they treated money and stuff just like the rest of the folks of that day. And so, but when God came in, it affected the way they handled their money and their stuff. Things changed for them. And I want to talk about that this morning. And God inspired Luke to do this. We have learned that the apostles spoke with boldness. Remember that? And what happened when they spoke the words of Jesus with boldness? They got arrested, did they not? They were threatened. They said, if you keep doing this, we're we're not going to put up with that. You keep talking about a dead man. You're telling us that a dead man's doing stuff, that a dead man's healing people. You've got to stop that insanity. And they threatened them. Of course, they beat them real good before they let them go. And guess what the apostles said? They rejoiced that they were able to be beaten for Jesus' name. Man, I tell you, that doesn't describe many of the contemporary church, does it? Right? We can't hardly rejoice driving an air-conditioned car to an air-conditioned church. Right? Come on, folks. Get with me. Hey, this is... Make it happen, right? It's very difficult. But they did. Amazing miracles followed them. And these are the the, the apostles that Jesus chose and miracles followed them to authenticate their message. And, it's, and, and primarily, they wanted to authenticate the message to the Jews that were hearing it. It was, a, it was prophesied that this would happen. And so God brought miracles following the apostles. To off, The miracles weren't the message. Healing wasn't the message. The gospel was the message. And the miracles and the wonders and the signs authenticated their message before a Bible was ever printed. Before the word of God was ever written. Or how would they know what they were saying was real? And once the word of God was complete, things changed again. And today... We don't need any authentication. The Word of God stands on its own between us and God. Amen? And so that's where we are. And so they they not only, after they were beaten and let go, they asked God to give them boldness to keep doing it. Isn't that amazing? So God desires... Now, there's no one has a corner of secret truth. Man, this is something that's killing us today in Christian television, that we think that somebody out there, <clears throat> God says, look, Kevin, I, he's never told me anything secret. I can tell you that right now. Right? And so he doesn't come up to somebody out there in TV land and he says, hey, I I want you to stand up in the pulpit, and then you proclaim it, and you're going to get a book out of it because nobody else knows this stuff. No. God says, I want everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen? That's every single person in here, if you desire it, can come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, if you don't desire it, then don't expect it, okay? But if you desire to know the truth, he said, man, I desire to tell you the truth. And so we have to keep this in our minds. No one has a special truth and revelation from God today that they can leverage over Christians for any reason. Certainly not for personal gain. And so the church began to grow by the thousands People were coming into the church. 120 began, and now there are over 5,000 men in a very short time. And God's bringing people from different languages and different cultures and different ways of living, different ethnic groups. All of them are coming together. And the world was divided by those ethnic groups in that day. So the world in that day was different. They were divided They weren't like America when you have a lot of different things. They were divided. You stayed over there. You stayed over there. You stayed over there. And all of a sudden, God comes on the scene through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and people from different languages start meeting in the same places, and they start loving each other like Christ loved them. Man, the world would walk by and say, what is going on at the community center? Right? Right? What's going on at so-and-so's house? Why are those weird people, those different color people in there? Why were those people that spoke different language? Why are they in there? They're not supposed to be. How are they doing this? And people began to wonder what's going on. And it was the move of the Spirit of God. And Luke records it. And so the point I want you to see here is all of this happens, all right, now I'm bringing you back up to chapter 4, verse 31. I've just spoken to you. That's my introduction. All right? That's what's happened. And as soon as you read all of the beautiful miracles, signs, and wonders, and the Holy Spirit coming on, guess what God does? <clears throat> Talks about money. I didn't put this here, folks, okay? It was just next on my calendar. He talks about stuff. See, Jesus spoke more about stuff and money than he did heaven and hell. There must be something about money that makes us tick. Right? And it made them tick because this is who he tells it to. And so now, no matter what happens, when God saves people, when God rescues people from eternal damnation, when God gives people new life... Every single time, without exception, their attitude towards money changes. Amazing. All right, verse 32. Everybody have your Bible? If you don't have a Bible, we have some around. If we don't have one around, we have them up on the screen for you. Now, the full number of those who believed <clears throat> were of one heart and soul, and no one said, <clears throat> now this to this, no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. That's amazing, isn't it? But they had everything common. Everything common. Now, back in Acts chapter 2, 44, it says the same thing. They held all things common. Now, Luke is not repeating himself just because he doesn't have things to say and just because he wants to fill up parchments. No, when the Scripture repeats something, there is a purpose for that. He tells them in chapter 2, they had all things common. He tells them in chapter 4 here, they had all things common. And they lived very different lives. This new church lived life differently than the people outside the church building, outside the house. They lived it different. And the way they used their stuff, because the world didn't have all things common. The world is out for itself, right? Right? People come with and are amazed by the grace of God. And guess what? Things change. And one thing that he points out is that they had a different attitude toward their stuff. And no one said, now listen to this verse that we just read. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. Now that's a little bit different. We don't talk that way, do we? The early church said, nothing that I have belongs to myself. (laughs) All right? That doesn't belong to me. Right? And so uh, we say, this is my money. This is my stuff. Isn't that the way we talk about our stuff? But the early church said, nothing. They said. Understand it. They said it. It's how they thought about it. It was theirs but they didn't say it was theirs. Okay, keep that in mind. Very, very important. All right. Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message. And great grace was upon them all. If If I were you, I'd underline that. And great grace was upon them all. We're going to come back to that. There was not a needy person among them. In that early church, there were people who had a bunch of stuff, and then there were people who didn't. But after God came in, none of them were needy. That is the point. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each... As any had need. They didn't um, designate. They just brought it. And they trusted the leaders of the church to distribute it. So you have people here who had material goods. It says they have lands and houses. We're fortunate just to get a house, right? These folks had lands and houses and stuff. Not all of them, but some of them, and they were saved, and then you had some of them that didn't have anything, and they're all part of the same church, all right? And what they were saying is, everything that I have comes from God, and these folks said, I will share the extra stuff that I have for others in the church, not out there on the street inside the church. We'll help people we never don't know. We'll help people on the street. But we well, we don't want to help everybody in the church. They have more than I do. They drive a better car than I do. You see what I'm saying? And missed the whole point. And somebody says, hey, this is a communal life. And so some people have brought out communal living. And that's not true at all. This is not talking about commune life. No, no one said it was their stuff. Back in Acts chapter 2, they met in each other's houses. Right? So they still own their houses. They didn't meet at the commune. They didn't sell everything they had, put it in a pile, and then everybody live off of it. That's not what he said at all. Because they've met in each other's homes right? They shared part of what they had with needy believers. That's exactly. So from time to time, someone would be led of the Spirit of God to take something that they have and they would sell it and then they would bring it to the apostles' feet, undesignated, no tax deduction, just give it, right? Right? They didn't have an IRS back in that day. They had a tax collector, but it was a lot different. All right? I mean, calling them tax collectors, that's generous, okay? Because they would drag you down the street, man. All right? And so we get to verse 36. Then Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, right? Son of encouragement. A Levite, a native of Cyprus, he sold a field. Circle the A. It helps you. He didn't sell all of his fields. He didn't sell everything he had. He just sold a field. Right? He just sold a field. And belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You see... They did things a lot different that day. What if we were to put on the screen everything that you gave this past year? It'd make us feel uncomfortable, wouldn't it? We'd say, oh my Lord, don't want to go there. But you know God sees it. But because you don't see God, sometimes it doesn't mess with you, right? But if you start seeing God, you'll start talking to God about things like that. And so here we are. If I were to put that up there, but in that day, they brought it, they sold it, and they put it at the apostles' feet. And they had all kinds of stuff. A piece of land. Notice that he trusts the leaders of the church to distribute it. He didn't bring it to Peter's feet and say, Now you make sure that gets over to this. Right? He just brought it, and he says... It's yours, and you're responsible for it now. Amen? That's exactly what it says. And they are to decide to use it the best way possible. And I hope and trust that we as a strong... We're a strong church in so many ways. And I hope that when we go over to Faith Bridge and they become our family and we become their family and we partner together and I hope that we become even more generous and I hope we become people that can be a blessing to God's work. That's my prayer. My whole prayer of taking another position as an associate pastor is I want to be a blessing to our pastor. Amen? You want to know why I can do that? Because you've been such a blessing to me. Amen? All I have to do is treat him like you treat me. That's an easy job for me. You folks have been so good to us. I'm not going to do it. Now, let's move on. But as usual, there are those that don't get it, right? And some of our good... No matter what church you go to, there are many people, our close friends, that just don't get it. We read again in verse (laughs) 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge... He kept back for himself some of the, and with, yeah, with his wife's not, some of the proceeds, and brought only a part of it, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, now this is an apostle, all right? This is one chosen by God. I'll talk about that in a minute. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back a portion Or part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained yours, or unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? In other words, nobody forced him to give anything. Right? This is not communal life. Why is it that you've contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell. Don't use this for your life house next week. All right, with guests. You need to understand what this is saying. He fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard of it. Would it not make you fear? The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. You have to understand, uh, I, I, I'm moving in and helping alliance partners and others. I'm meeting people, and we have a lot of differences. But we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we do not, I do not accept the fact that there are apostles today. Now, the word apostle means sent one. I'm okay with the word. I'm also okay with the word meaning an overseer. Just like a bishop, an elder, or a pastor. But there are no apostles today of the, like the 12 that Jesus chose and the apostle Paul. Those are, you say, well, when did that all cease? It ceased the death of the last apostle. We don't have those powers. Now, we, God can use us in any way he chooses. I'm not against that at all. But to think that we can succeed all the way back, succession is what they call it. and We believe that that ceased. The end of the apostles. Verse 7. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me. See, God let Peter know what happened. There's no jury here. What he said was true because God told him that. Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yeah, we did. Mm." But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? In other words, to abuse the Holy Spirit in public. Boy, isn't that happening today all over? They're abusing the Holy Spirit in public. Terrible, terrible thing. Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and all upon those who heard these things. Wow. That would be a Sunday morning to talk about. <laughs> Wouldn't it be a Sunday morning to talk about? If that happened right here, right? And I asked one of you to come up here and say, Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit of God? And you flop down, and I say, "Dell, get your crew <laughs> and take them out back and bury them, right? Would you have a great fear come over you? I would think so. And then if I stood up here and said, after two people lie dead in front of you, and we bear them out back, man, you'd get arrested for that kind of stuff today, wouldn't you? Right? We'd bear them out back, and i say, okay, guys, God told me to tell you to be here next week. I guarantee you'd cancel those soccer tournaments, wouldn't you? You'd be canceling vacation. You'd come back early. Right? Now, I want you to notice this about this passage of Scripture. They did not die. They were not judged because they kept back a part of the money. That's not what they did. That wasn't the problem. That's not the issue. They sold it for $10,000, and they said they sold it for eight, And they kept that. And that $2,000, God needed it, and he wanted it, so he killed them. No, no it wasn't the money that's not what this was about it says you have lied to god <clears throat> and peter clears it up when he says wasn't it yours before it sold nobody made you sell it nobody made you give all of it back wasn't it all yours But you've come in here pretending that it sold for this and that you gave it all when you lied to this. See, that's the problem. And I wanted to make this point. Generosity that comes from amazing grace is not forced. It is not mandated. It is not a rule. Christians don't need rules for generosity right we don't need that they simply acted like they had given it all now I personal now this is off the record this is me and I'm just one and I can't find a commentator that even says this I think they sold it for more than they thought they'd get out of it I'll tell you what you promise God you'll sell a car and give it to him I guarantee you'll sell that car for a lot more money than you ever thought you'd get out of it it's amazing It's amazing. And I think they sold it for more than they thought they'd get out of it. And so they went ahead and said, this is the fair price. We'll just give that and we'll keep that extra money. But we're going to tell everybody else we gave it all. That's Ella. Amen. And say they lied to God. You see, you can lie to me. And most likely, I'll never find out. But you can't lie to God without Him finding out. That's the point. So when you hear someone say that we need to get back to the church of Acts, you might want to say, hold on there. (laughs) Maybe I kind of like Simply Church the way it is. Right? Maybe we don't want to go back there, okay? Okay right? We want to go back to the church of Acts. We need more miracles and healings and wonders. That's what we need, even though that's not what they preach. They preach the message of Jesus, the words of Jesus. But we need miracles and wonders. Well, how come we never hear anybody want that kind of a miracle? Right? When two people fall dead at your feet, that's a miracle. Nobody wants bad miracles, okay? (laughs) Right? Four points to remember. Grace does not mean that God does not take sin seriously. Right? Grace does not mean that God does not take sin seriously. uh, Let me say this before we move on. Moses disobeyed God in the wilderness, and he did not get to go into the... Promised land. Isn't that amazing? Moses was God's right-hand man. Moses was the one that parted the Red Sea with the power of the Spirit of God. God did it. He spoke with God. He saw God's back. He did everything. And he struck that rock twice, and God said, I told you not to. You're not going to go in. I'm going to bury you up here. Man, he had God bury him. That's something, isn't it? had God bury him that's how serious God is about sin even those that he uses and he loves 40 years the Israelites wandered in the wilderness walking a big circle they didn't know where they were and only two people were left in that generation Joshua and Caleb and they all died out there because they disobeyed God so grace does not mean that God does not take sin seriously And then here in the book of Acts, and great grace was upon them all. This church had the grace of God in it. Grace is a remedy for sin and not an excuse for sin. God is merciful. God is compassionate. God is kind. God is loving. God is forgiving. He's slow to wrath. But don't think he doesn't have wrath. There is judgment, right? And one day he's going to wipe it all out. And then I want you to see here, third, God knows what's in your heart. Isn't that pretty obvious? God knows what's in your heart. He knows when we blame others for our own sin. Isn't that amazing? We get caught in sin, and we think if we can find sin in somebody else, that makes it better. Right? We're caught in sin. Oh, but you lied too. (laughs) Right? Don't that make you feel a lot better when somebody else does the same thing you do? No, we got to get off of that. It really doesn't matter what happened to them. I sin before God. And being around 300 others that did the same thing is not going to make me better. And pointing them all out to everybody doesn't make it better. That's my sin. God knows your motives. He knows what you do. He knows what you give. He knows why you give, why you don't give, why it's a problem to you. He knows all of that. <clears throat> And then last year, uh, God is deeply concerned about anything that undermines the church's ministry and the gospel. And great fear came upon the whole church, he says. <clears throat> and this is the first time in verses 5 and 11 that the word church is used. The first time. <clears throat> the, Bible, the Bible says the church had great power, great grace, and great fear. The Greek word there is mega, megas. <clears throat> Mega grace, mega fear, isn't that amazing? And mega power. So this kind of fear is not a bad thing at all. I think it's something missing in most Christians' lives. We don't fear God. He's a buddy. He understands. We have made God comfortable to us. Rather than holding ourselves accountable... the Word of God. Now let's conclude. Verse 33, and great grace was upon them all. Mega grace was upon them all. But this grace, folks, it's not this mystical, foggy, floating around stuff that you can't see. The grace is tangible. We can actually see the grace of God in us, We can see it in a church. You can see a church that has mega grace. You can see it. Mega power, mega fear. You can see that. First of all, they experienced grace in their salvation. All right? And they knew Jesus died for them. And when we say that, we we mean um, without works and without performance. Right? You don't have to work it up. You know, money is at the bottom of the world, right? It's the bottom line. Money in the world is how we measure our success, right? Money in the world is how we come with our comforts. Money in the world brings a lot of security to us, does it not? Money is connected to us, and that's why God talks about it a lot. But I'm going to surprise you this morning. Money also measures your spirituality, Money also can tell you about your spiritual world. It's not some mystical foggy floaty thing out here that nobody can ever get their hands on. Uh uh-uh, uh, it's right there. Jesus said nobody can serve God and money. No one. He didn't he said no one can do that. <clears throat> All of us try, don't we? <clears throat> but no one can do it. <clears throat> And so how you handle your stuff, how you handle your money is a measuring stick for your spiritual life. Grace overwhelmed them and turned them into radical generosity. (laughs) Radical generosity. When you're amazed by grace, you'll not see money as mine. That's not the way you'll see it you'll see it as his. If you're amazed by grace, you know what you are. And a loving God died for you and saved you. And you're amazed that you're even in. Right? You're amazed that you're even counted. And let me tell you, your money is his. And then generosity is the response to grace. <clears throat> Our response to grace Generosity is the response to grace. That is a guilt-free question. Is generosity part of your life? Do you have to work it up? Do you have to see some kind of a child cry before you give? Or are you just amazed by grace? Right? Motivated by grace. Amazed by grace. Here's a $20 bill. And man, this thing here, it can tell you a lot about your life. This thing right here, money. It can tell you a lot about your life. It can also tell you a lot about your spiritual life. And God said, you can't serve Him and this. That's what God said. I didn't say that. He says it and I believe it. He says... Where this is, that's where this is. Right? Where this is, that's where this is. That's amazing, isn't it? And God wants them both. If you give God this... You'll not have trouble giving God that. That's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Let's stand.